Hey yo, you are listening to the podcast of thousands. Late night talk, showcasing performers, and last time, with zero the budget, here's your host, Mikey P. Welcome everyone, I'm your host, Michael Panessa, and this is the podcast of thousands, where we showcase performers from actors to YouTubers and everything in between. Just a reminder, we're podcast of thousands on... Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google Plus, and Tumblr. If there's a there there, Podcast of Thousands is there. On tonight's show, we have a really great guest, voiceover actor Brooks Moore from How It's Made on the Science Channel. Jojoba oil isn't actually an oil. It's a liquid wax extracted from the seed of the jojoba plant. Native to the Sonoran Desert areas in Arizona, California, and Mexico, jojoba is a common ingredient in soaps, shampoos, moisturizers, eye makeup, and lip products. And music by soul pop artist Jordan Sleed. We all, we all drift apart now. First, and now, Moments with Michael. I love this show, How It's Made on the Science Channel. It's a show the whole family can get into. So having voiceover actor Brooks Moore on tonight's show is such a treat. He's a great guy and even agreed to record How Podcast of Thousands is Made. Enjoy. Today on How It's Made, Podcast of Thousands. The Podcast of Thousands is a late-night talk show showcasing performers from actors to YouTubers and everything in between. The show's title stems from the idiom, Cast of Thousands, which loosely means all of the people it takes to conduct a performance. Each episode of the show includes a guest performer interview, a showcased artist, or bands, music, as well as an entertaining bit. Some episodes include reviews from the listener, introductions recorded by previous guest performers, and free giveaways. The longest part of each episode and key to the success of the show is the guest performer interview, so the team spends the most time here. The pinnacle of their success came when they interviewed a versatile male voiceover artist with over 20 years experience. An outline of questions and discussion topics for the interview is created from scratch and tailored to each guest. As the interview is recorded, the host uses the outline as a guide, but always lets the guest lead the conversation to other topics if they are inclined to do so. Next, the team works on recording an entertaining bit to go into the current episode they're building. A couple of the bits so far have been pitched by crowdfunding creative types, and another has the host asking a friend or family member to discuss an extremely uncomfortable question. The most frequent bit so far has been learning unique insights into the host of the podcast, such as time spent in the bathroom, how his name in Italian looks like a girl's name, and getting electrolysis as a hairy teenager. The last major part of the show is the artist, or band's, music. 
The team chooses their favorite song from a list that has been submitted to them to be aired on the show. Final parts such as intro music, the opening, which talks about what's in the episode, the closing, which talks about being a guest on a future episode, and where to find more information about the show, and the outro music are bolted on. After some sanding and painting, also known as editing out the ums, ahs, sighs, and clicks, the team works on a plan to promote the episode to all the major podcast directories, providers, and discussion boards, as well as most social media networks. The Podcast of Thousands episode is now ready for the world to hear, and the team is already hard at work on the next one. And that was Moments with Michael. And now I'd like to welcome our guest, voiceover actor Brooks Moore. Welcome to the show, Brooks. Hey, thanks for having me, Michael. I really appreciate it. How are you doing today? Excellent. And you're on the East Coast, right? On the East Coast. How's weather out there today? I would say the weather is a little bit hot. It seems like it's getting hotter and hotter, and uh, we're getting super high temperatures in June, and usually that happens in late August. So who knows what we're going to have in August. It's like an episode of how it's made, and you're talking about how the weather's made. It's it's That's great right. having you on the show. <laughs> hey, let me. Uh, everyone always asks me, um, you know, at least friends say, "Hey, tell them how it's made. Tell them it's right." So I'm going to give you um, <laughs> today on how it's made podcast of thousands dot com. So that's kind of uh, the open is always today on how it's made. So uh, awesome! Shout out to your podcast of thousands. Thank you very much. So how'd you start out on the show? Well, I would say uh, I started out wanting a microphone when I was about five years old, and my dad had like an amplifier that you could plug a little mic into, and we'd listen to Beatles music and things like that, and uh, that was kind of my start. And then I started announcing horse shows. I grew up on a horse farm when I was a kid, and I started about 13. I started announcing at horse shows, and that kind of moved into a TV program in high school, and I was acting in a program and doing voice work, and then went to college, took a college course between my junior and senior year of high school at Towson University in Maryland, and I ended up taking a director's class and then ended up hanging out with the people at the radio station. So the FM station said, hey, we have a slot opened on Saturday night. It's a bluegrass show. Well, I didn't know anything about bluegrass, but uh, I do now. <laughs> so I took I still the show. Don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I took the show for a couple years until I went away to college and uh, was doing voice work. So how I uh, so I but I've done voice work over the years, different projects. My big hit with Discovery Channel uh, started in about 2004. I was doing some freelance producing editing at Discovery, and another editor was uh, doing a reversion of a project. It was about Leonardo da Vinci. And I had always loved working with Pro Tools and different things and did mixing and, and that kind of stuff. So he's like, oh, I got to read a scratch track of this episode. And I was like, well, I can read it for you. So I read a scratch track and I mixed all the elements in. Usually a reversion, they'll get it from another country and they put a U.S. narrator on it. So it mm. sounds like it's in the U.S. market. So it had all the other sound effects elements and everything. So I mixed that all in. And the general manager of the network heard it and said, hey, I really like your voice. I have someone already lined up for this show, but I'd like to use you maybe in another show. So uh, about a month later, he calls me up and said, Brooks, I'd like you to do uh, this 
TV documentary about the monitor that um, was in the Civil War, and they've recovered it, the turret, in Virginia, and uh, it's a show about the monitor and, and the turret that was on it, uh, the turret that was on it. So I did that show, and that ended up uh, leading to a number of different documentaries on Discovery, Science Channel, TLC, Health, and uh, their various networks. Then he calls me up and says, Brooks, and this is Steve Burns, he kind of gave him my start at Discovery. He said, I've got this show, it's done in Canada, and the guy that's in my position in Canada, the general manager of the Science Channel in Canada, says this show is amazing, it's a very simple show, it has a narrator on it, and I want you to do the show. Can you do it? I'm like, sure, I'd love to. So up to that point, I really hadn't even had to audition. I was just like, okay, here's the show, Brooks. So that was um, many years ago, and um, I've probably been doing How It's Made now for 12 to 13 years. It's been a great gig, and it's been a lot of fun, and it's still really highly rated, and it's just a simple show that just has four segments in a half hour that detail how something is made. It is one of the greatest. And you know what's the best about it is my kids, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of shows in common. Obviously, I'm an adult. They're kids. I, I watch some of their kids' shows. But we can sit there for hours and, and watch how it's made. It is, for our family, it, it is one of the greatest shows on TV. Have you been, uh, were you the only voice of this uh, incarnation of the show? Over the years, you know, I've had different producers and things of that sort. So a, a different producer came on the show and they decided to pick another voice actor to do the show. And his name was Zach Blasphemy. Fine. Well, he's a great, he is amazing. <laughs> and he did the promos for How It's Made on the Science Channel. So they had him read for a season and... There was this write-in campaign they posted on the blogs. They made up a Facebook page, bring back Brooks Moore uh, to how it's made. So I get a call from the talent management people to, you know, would I like to do it again after that kind of one season off? And of, of course I said yes. And that ended up then I was also doing by the same production company, How It's Made Dream Cars, which was right. one half hour about special cars. So, you know, the way this business works is that everyone has something unique about them. And you can't take it personally when someone decides to switch and go with someone else. That's just how the ball bounces. And there's a lot of really great people in this business. And I've been fortunate to meet some of them. And, you know, that's just how it works. So you can't uh, lose any spilled milk over it. You're very kind, Brooks Moore. Very kind. Thank you. Yes, it's competitive. But the thing is, you can't change someone's mind. They either lock on to you as their voice or someone else. And that's okay. Sure, and your fans definitely locked onto you, and that's awesome. That uh, how does that how does that feel to have them uh, petition for your return? Oh my gosh, it was such a thrill. You know, I get fan mail all the time from people. I had one guy from Ohio wanting to do a a little special, kind of like find something in the house, like treasure hunt. So he said, would I do a little voiceover for his wife for Valentine's Day of this little treasure hunt? And I, I recorded it for him. I've had people from Canada send me things. I've had people from all over the place that have, uh, hey, can you um, call my son up? He's a big fan. I even made a call <laughs> Christmas Day one year. A fan was in uh, one of the states, and uh, the mom sent me an email. Would I please call her son? I said, I'll call him at Christmas. So. She had gotten him in like a DVD set of, of the episodes, and I called him up on Christmas Day. And it's just, 
you know, it, it's really amazing how many people have actually seen the show, and it boggles my mind how many people have seen the show and how many people are fans. It's, it's so fantastic, and I really appreciate all the fans and, and their loyalty. And, and I get a lot of times that the parents say, hey, my kids love watching it. It's, you know, I love watching it too. It's a family thing we can do together, and um, it just keeps on going. And that's the beauty of the show because there's never a way to run out of how it's made. Sure, sure. So, so tell the tell my listener uh, about the process. Do you do you help write the script? Do you just get the script? Where do you record? So that's evolved over the years. When I first started the show, one of my requests was to watch the show as I'm reading the script, and I would have the uh, Canadian narrator playing back in my ear. And you know, the show is relatively loose from a standpoint of narration. It's not. Like, well, this has to fit within 10 seconds, you know? Mm -hmm. So I read it and, you know, maybe I read it in nine seconds and the other person read it in 10, you know, then there's a little pause and there's another scene you see. So it fits in really well that way. So initially I was watching the shows and then, you know, the show evolved and how they did it. And so then um, I would, I would just read the script. And it's funny, sometimes I've been doing it so long that if there's, a maybe a little grammatical thing or something wrong with the script, I will correct it on the fly a lot of times. Nice. So the process is it's, it's done by a, a company in Canada, Production Maj, and they are in Montreal. And they create the show and, and write the script. And then the producers in the U.S. at the Science Channel get the script and look at the show and take out any Canadianisms in the script. So any kind of, generally speaking, kilometers or things like that, you know, you would know as, as a, in the United States that that's just not, you know, we don't do kilometers, we do miles per hour or mm-hmm. horsepower or foot-pounds of torque and, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, we change all the Celsius to Fahrenheit and really kind of Americanize the script a little bit and also put in, you know, new graphics and put this show breaks in because in Canada, you know, there might be two breaks, not four. It's just kind of the segments kind of run back to back. Got it. So that's the kind of process. And, and um, the editor breaks it into the segments and I record the script and that goes to the audio uh, production team at Discovery and they mix me into the show and time it out and then lay it back to the master uh, that's been cut of the show. And that's how it works. So it's it's interesting. You know, I've seen so many episodes and... I can visualize in my head, you know, I don't always get a chance to see everything beforehand, but I mm-hmm. can visualize, you know, the construction happening or the the train wheels being built, you know, so I have so many reference points just from working on so many episodes. It's probably up to about 1,500 different segments I've done. Right, right. So it's just a, a ton of segments. You ever had a recording rejected, like Brooks Moores just wasn't on his game that day? Never. Never. No, I don't nice. want to. I don't want to be cocky. No. Um, so here's how. <laughs> here's how the recording process works. So, I uh, read the open today on how it's made. Candles, podcast of thousands, corn chips, and toilet paper. <laughs> then what I do is I go through the whole first segment. So the first segment will be about five minutes, six minutes, let's say, to read. And I'll go through that. And then if I make any mistakes on that, I'll do what we call a pickup. And I'll just pick it up myself. And then once we're done, 
we come back and the producer's listening in on the phone and he says, hey, Brooks, can you redo that line again? I'm not sure if I heard that correctly or maybe you swallowed that word or something of that sort. So then we'll go back and do pickups and then we go back to the next segment. So to give you a little example, I have a show here and this is coming up this season. Technological Corks, which is interesting because that was about how corks are made to really bottle wine and the special way they make them with special ingredients so that the wine doesn't spoil. So I'll give you a, I'll give you a little example. Today on How It's Made, Technological Corks, Zinc Gutters, Traditional Basque Ham, and Cristera. So you're not probably even sure what Cristera is, right? So anyway, yeah. then we go to the first segment. Many winemakers these days are opting to seal their bottles with technological corks. These are stoppers made of molded particles of natural cork, which have undergone a purification treatment to remove the TCA molecule and other contaminants, which can give wine a musty odor. So let's say the second line, maybe I said stops instead of stoppers. Mm-hmm. What I would do is I would go back and reread that again on my own if I catch it. These are stoppers made of molded particles of natural cork. And then once we're finished reading the whole segment, and you know there's always that little kind of funny line at the end uh, that they always write in the script. And I do not write those. You know, I don't write those. It's amazing. People love those. And uh, so like the end of this one is, Some wines require a completely airtight seal, while others require a certain degree of air penetration to mature further after bottling. So that one really wasn't that kind of a little play on words thing. Mm-hmm. The whole point of the end is to kind of bring that segment to a close. So like this other one on the Basque ham. When the cured ham is ready, workers sprinkle it with espalette pepper, a mildly hot pepper with a northern Basque country. Now, I, I said that wrong. It's from the northern Basque country. A mildly hot pepper from the northern Basque country. This gives the ham a fragrance that's as appetizing as its taste. This is an exclusive. This yes. is an exclusive for a future episode, right? Yeah, so so that's Breaking kind of right um, how we, how we do it and uh you know, I might there might be a word that's, you know, cristera or different things that maybe I need a little help pronouncing and the producer will kind of help me get those things correct. So it's a collaborative effort with the producer listening in as I read the script. So some of my uh some of my favorite episodes um are artificial eyes, robotic arms, and anatomic models. What do you, what do you think this means? Is there a pattern? Pattern there? Uh, yeah, people. <laughs> <laughs> Things for people. Robots. Artificial eyes. Uh, boy, I remember a long time ago I did a segment on people that make uh, like a glass eye for someone, mm-hmm. and uh, they hand paint it to look you know exactly like your other eye in a way and. Obviously, the pupil doesn't react, but, you know, it, it fits in and, and, and works. But that was really fascinating to me, for sure. Anatomical models, another one. One of the things that was interesting the other day, my daughter was out picking strawberries with her friend. And she said, Dad, this is the most incredible tasting strawberry I've ever tasted. I said, do you know why? She said, no, I don't. I said, well, I know from how it's made. <laughs> the reason is is that the strawberry was picked right from the vine. So you went out in the field and you picked that strawberry right off the vine. When you get fruit at the supermarket or let's say Costco, if you ever notice the bananas are like so green that they are ripening 
not on the vine. They're kind of rotting themselves to ripeness, right? Mm -hmm. So the best fruit, if it's not fresh, is the one that's flash frozen that you thaw because that is ripened on the vine and picked and flash frozen and then sent to you. So obviously in California, right. right. So obviously in California, you have great fruit and you don't have to ship everything in. But in other areas around the country, you know, that's why fresh fruit tastes the best. And that's why frozen fruit would taste second best to fresh fruit picked off the vine. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Are there, have you ever suggested episodes? Well, They've got to take Brooks Moore's advice, right? If he's got a, if he's got an idea for well, a I have a couple ideas, but I I really love when people submit ideas and uh, on the blog post on the Science Channel website. I love to read them over and hear what people are saying, and you know they get forwarded on to the production company, and um, you know it's a possibility that they get done. Yeah, we'll have a link to that in our show notes, so everybody anybody listening. So it was interesting. The first season was you know since the production company's out of Canada. The first season was all Canadian stuff. So hockey pucks, hockey sticks, hockey goals, you know. Curling rock. Right, right, right. (laughs) Exactly. It was every single sports thing that Canadians use in in sports. And it was so funny. And then the show got super popular. So they've traveled all over the world to do segments. And uh, it's really interesting in being able to travel all all over the world and see how things are made. Do you know... I, I picked up on this. I went through, you know, some of the past episodes on uh, Wikipedia. Do you know why each season is 13 episodes long? Where they came up with that number and why they stuck with that? The number for me is a little different. I look at it as a whole season is 26 episodes. Now, I have to say that the way they break it down is I read 13 episodes and then we take a break for like three months, and then I read another 13 episodes. They obviously break that down as like, you know, two seasons. That's ah. how they do that. And, um, you know, a lot of episodes are 13 or 26, so that's just kind of a, a standard. Are you crafty? Do you, do you build stuff in your free time? I mean, are you, is that is that how you're... You're so into into this, or I mean, are you not? I would like to hear that you're not. No, the truth of the matter is, I look back at this, and I didn't think about this really till about a year ago. I used to take apart VCRs. I, I take apart like everything just to see. I mean, I've always had that curiosity of how something works or it's made, and that doesn't mean I can fix everything down to the sure solder point. I have fixed, and I do solder and and fix some things, but. I've always had that fascination with, you know, how did a VHS machine, you know, wind the tape around the head? You know, so it's really, I've always had that fascination and I've built stuff, I've, I've taken things apart and I, well, I've, I have a production company with my wife and we do all kinds of different programs and documentaries and corporate films and, you know, the, the team at work will be like, you know, Brooks, the, Brooks is the techie guy that, you know, takes everything apart and gets his back working again. So that's, that is me. So let's talk about, you have a, uh, talk about building something. You're building a podcast of your own. Yes, I am working on a podcast. It's called HowWeGotHerePodcast.com. And I am working with a really famous writer by the name of Jim Rickards. And we kind of break down different topics. It's a whole lot of fun. We go probably from about a half hour to 40 minutes to an hour show and talk about just all different kind of topics. Jim is a really amazing historian and he has a finance background. He's also a lawyer. Um, he's worked on Wall Street. 
um, all kinds of experience and talking about student debt and what students are faced with as they move on and what it was like when Jim was in college and mm-hmm. how he took care of it and what students have to deal with now. And Ghost Cities of China was another episode that's really fascinating. He went to China and they wanted him to take office space. Um, they invited him to come over you know, for his uh, financial business. And it's like this city that has no one in it. There's not even infrastructure from a hospital, police stations, grocery wow. stores. So they, they kind of know that you're not going to take it. They tell you, well, we'll give you three years free lease. You just have to pay for year four and five. So it's, it, it's just crazy. And what they've done is they've, they've done that so that they keep people working by building these cities that who knows when they'll be inhabited. But it keeps the economy going because people are working. So we've done some really, really interesting episodes about the gold standard and why we went off the gold standard in the 70s and uh, all kind of different stuff. It's really been fascinating. We've got nine episodes in the can, and we're getting ready to launch sometime in July. Check out the website and see when we're going to be launching and where you can listen. Is it going to be a weekly podcast, monthly, random I would say that uh, we'll probably release the first nine episodes, and then we need to kind of go back in, go back in, and uh, do some more. I mean, there's so many topics to do, and Jim, like I said, is such an expert on finance and business. You know, what's the Federal Reserve? Is that a U.S. government thing? How does that work? You know, people have no idea. They think it's a government thing, and it's actually put together by the banks. So, there's really a lot of fascinating stuff that um, we kind of educate people about. And with the name, how we got here, is this is this all yours, or is it through one of the channels that you work with? No, no, or? it's really a combination of me and Jim. Just you know, it's called um, Real Conversations with Brooks and Jim, and we just start talking about a topic and and go on about that, and just talk about some fascinating stuff. And we found that in the testing of it, we found that you know it really works for a lot of different ages, and uh, people are quite fascinated by all the different topics. And uh, for instance, generational wealth, how do you hand down wealth as a family member? And we, we do some research and talk about how they did it in Europe with property and artwork and things of that sort. And um, even when their countries were taken over or world wars happened, families continued to kind of carry on with things. So it, it's just been some fascinating topics and, and a real joy to work on. Very cool. Definitely looking forward to that. And we'll have links to that in our show notes. Something we didn't talk about during uh, the pre-interview was uh, I quiz my guests. So I got a, I got a little quiz for you. How do, how do you feel about that? I'll go for it. You'll go for it? Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So I like to see how smart my guests are. Uh, so this is uh, how smart are voiceover actors of long-running television shows. Um, so I reviewed the first 20 seasons of episodes. I didn't watch every one, but uh, I've reviewed them through Wikipedia. Uh, and I went through and I pulled out uh, names of products that I would think, well, I didn't know what they were just by the name, and I don't recall seeing the episode. So I'm really testing your memory, but this might this this might end up being a, a, a testament to my intelligence, not knowing what these things are. So <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I've got a few of them, and then uh, depending on how good you do, I might I might add on more just to try to try to stump you. So are you ready? Yep. All right. Here's the first one. Filigree glass. Filigree glass. Yeah, that, that's a glass blower makes that. And uh, it's used, it's like a fancy type glass that um, would be like a uh, something you'd have on your shelf in the house. Yep. 
Yep, yep. Made of colored glass. Yep. Yep. Okay. Sulkies? A sulky would be a cart. That's right. Horse-drawn vehicle used uh, to harness and racing, one of mm-hmm. those things. I didn't know it was called a sulky. I've seen them my whole life, but did not uh, know it was called a sulky. Uh, what is, where do you find Jojoba oil? Now, the, the regular, the layman is not going to know Jojoba oil, are they? I don't think they would. Uh, do Jojoba you remember? Oil, um... There it is. Nope, I don't make this that. Is the I one. one. I don't know that uh, one. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was that season that they. No, they, I they think it prob- I think it probably was. I'm just not. <laughs> I have a pretty decent memory, but 1,500 episodes or segments would be a little tough. <laughs> sure, sure. So it's a fungicide, and it can be used for controlling mildew. It's also found in cosmetics. Gotcha. Prams. Do you know what prams are? Do you remember what prams are? It's an acronym. I'm not sure what the acronym is for, but it's a baby stroller. I'm not sure. Oh, they, right. That's that's a British name for a baby Rams. stroller. I believe oh, okay. that's a British name for the baby stroller, right? All right. There you go. Oh, here's here's this one I, I kind of got. Pewter tankards. Pewter yeah, tankards. Uh, yeah, that's like one of those uh, tankards you have for beer made out of pewter. That's right. Cup, large cup mm-hmm. with a single handle. Yep. Like the Germans have. Yep. Yep. Like kind of like a Stein, right? Yes. Pewter tankard. Okay. Molded pulp containers. I mean, the words, I, I know what kind of each one means, but together, do you remember what a molded pulp container is? Well, I'm thinking about, um, kind of thinking about the uh, cardboard containers at Toll Foods that you put your salad in, maybe, but... Could be, could be, yeah. yeah. It's uh, like egg carton type, yeah, material made of uh, recycled paperboard and newsprint. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All right. Wow, you did uh, you did really good. I typically ask three questions, but like I said, I knew I knew you'd get some of these. I know you'd remember uh, some of these. So, Jojo Ba Oil, I got you on Jojo, that you one. You did get me on that. <laughs> I got you on that one. I'm gonna, I got you. Boy, I'm going to have to look up that episode. I'm going to have to rewatch that episode. <laughs> You'll never forget again, right? No. Jojo Bile. So what's, uh, so season 29 of How It's Made returned on, on June 29th this year. Are you, so you mentioned uh, recording some and then them playing, um, you know, have you recorded all of the season or is this season something you're still working on? No, I've recorded the first 13 for this year. Okay. One of the other things that we've been doing for the last couple of years is we've been putting together kind of themes. So one would be on, let's say, sports memorabilia. So you'd have footballs, baseballs, Louisville Slugger bats, you know, that kind of thing. And right now we're working on a theme of American made. So different products yeah. made in America, that's going to be a thematic element. And and we put together segments from, you know, the 15 different hundred ones that were done and put together a theme of Made in America. And we also have, like, the states, Made in America, you know, number one from Maryland, you know, or number two from California. So uh, we're doing a theme breakout season, uh, some specials this year on that, and that's a lot of fun. Toys. I would love, I'd love a series or, you know, an episode or even, a, even its own How It's Made toys or something. It would be cool to see. 
I'm sure you've got some in there, uh, some generic bikes and or things like that. But I always I always thought it'd be awesome, you know, on a breakdown like remote control cars or you know just a whole a whole line of like toy shows. Well, I I can tell you about a segment that's coming up in this season that you're starting to watch now, right. and that is how to make toy trains. Toy trains, train yeah. Cars. So that's exactly. really exciting and a really interesting segment about how they kind of make them look old and paint them in a special way and, you know, shape up the plastic mold to, you know, look like the real cars at, you know, and scale, the scale size. So that's uh, that's a fun one that's coming up. Yeah, there's so many toy enthusiasts, you know, young and old collectors, and I think they would uh, totally get into that. And trains for sure, train collectors, wow. Yeah. And we've had, you know, trains for, um, you know, the kids might go on at a little theme park or something, but this is ah, the, uh, like, uh, Lionel-type trains, uh, H or O gauge uh, trains that uh, we talk about in one of the segments coming up. You're a busy man, Brooks. What else, what else do you have going on? Well, I uh, have a production company, like I said. We're working on a uh, documentary feature film right now called Blessed Unrest. It's about a composer who kind of went through uh, some struggles in life and kind of had his head and heart connect and creatively be able to compose a four-part symphony piece, which is about 40 minutes, and all the trials and tribulations of how he got there. And What's really interesting, I said we did, we did some fundraising on Kickstarter with it, and, and what my line was, it's kind of like a how it's made of a composer and what goes on in their head with what instruments they're picking and how they're playing the instrument and what chords they're doing and they're working in the woodwinds or the horns and the strings. and It's just fascinating what goes on in someone's mind when they are composing a four-part symphony. And that's a documentary that we're working on now that should be done by the end of the year. Sounds pretty cool. Thank you for your time, Brooks. Hey, thank you, Michael. It's really been a pleasure. You can get all the details and links about voice actor Brooks Moore in our show notes. It's Cast Party Giveaway Keyword Time. You can win four free tickets to any future show at the All Out Comedy Theater in Oakland, California. Your keyword is hilarity. H-I-L-A-R-I-T-Y. Just go to the podcastofthousands.com website and click on Cast Party. Enter your email address, first and last name, and the giveaway keyword hilarity. H-I-L-A-R-I-T-Y. And click submit, and you're entered for a chance to win. Four free tickets to any future show at the All Out Comedy Theater in Oakland, California. Good luck! (coughs) Music's always been important to me. When I'm slow dancing, I like to listen to a lot of different music. I thought I'd let artists and bands submit their music to the podcast of thousands, and we'd showcase it for them in each episode. Here's a song called Drift Apart by the soul pop artist Jordan Sleed, who's from San Antonio. I picked this song from Jordan's lead because it's mellow, and with my blood pressure, I'll take all the mellow I can get. If you like it, you can get all the information you need about Jordan's lead in our show notes. Enjoy.
You've been listening to the podcast of thousands. If you're a performer and want to be on our show, check us out at www.podcastofthousands.com and click on Get On. Since you're already online, check us out on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to rate us, five stars or higher, and leave us your comments. You can find all the details in our show notes. Thank you very much for listening, and to all you performers out there, break a leg.